it's me, Ellie Krug. Welcome to Ellie 2.0 Radio, everyone. How are you? Happy Saturday. Yes, happy, happy Saturday to you. Um, and for those of you who are not in Minnesota, uh, <laughs> while much of America is still in the throes of summer, things are already starting to change here. I, 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 the last two mornings when I've walked Jack, um, it has required me to wear uh, several layers, including a jacket. And yes, <laughs> if you can believe it, I've already seen leaves changing color on some smaller bushes. Yep, I saw some some very crimsony colored leaves. Ugh. I am not at all ready for a change of seasons, for colder weather. I am not. Okay. All right. All right, Ellie. Enough of that. Okay. Well, on today's show, today's show on this lovely, lovely show on this lovely station AM 950, where I'm speaking to you from the bunker in Eden Prairie, uh, we're going to highlight idealism and idealists as we usually do. Okay. These are humans who are working to change the world for the better. And we have some good stuff. Now, the big interview, uh, we tried to get somebody on today. Couldn't, but it'll be a reprise, and you're gonna like, you're gonna like this old interview. It's not even all that old; it's a year old. It's Taylor Lyons uh, from the Moms for Social Justice out of Chattanooga, Tennessee. You're gonna love that, and so uh, enjoy that, okay? And as usual, um, I'll talk about my work as an idealist in the C Block. I will, but as always, as we always do here in the A Block. Um, where we featured and where we feature an idealist, um, someone who is, has or is working to make the world better, um, and so it, for this A block, um, my interest was piqued uh, this weekend on Sunday when I saw a New York Times guest essay titled "Quote Proof That One Life Can Change the World." The August Fourteenth essay, written by Margaret uh, Renkel, R-E-N-K-L, details the amazing work of Charles Strobel, a Nashville, Tennessee priest. See, it's all about Tennessee this uh, today. A Nashville, Tennessee priest who devoted much of his life to housing and feeding the homeless. Um, Father Strobel died on August 6th at the age of 80. As Renkel's uh, New York Times essay recounts, Father Strobel was the pastor of an East Nashville church when in 1985, on a cold autumn night, he looked out the re- rectory window and saw people sitting in their cars in the church parking lot trying to stay warm. Uh, this did not sit well with Father Strobel. And so he invited those people in their cars into the sanctuary to sleep on the pews where they could be warm. From that single night, I just love how this works, Father Strobel grew an idea. What if all the churches in Nashville could collectively open their doors to the homeless. What an incredible idea. With that idea, Father Strobel wrote a letter outlining the concept. He sent that letter to Nashville's two then newspapers, which published the letter. And then a couple months later, by a couple months later, by the end of December of 1985, four congregations were opening their doors to the homeless. Soon the program had a name. Room in the Inn. That's the name, Room in the Inn. And less than two years later, by 1987, 31 congregations across the spectrum, churches, synagogues, mosques, were participating in the Room in the Inn 
program. Fast forward to today, 2023. More than 200 congregations take part in Room in the Inn in the Nashville area, and 7,000 volunteers help to shelter more than 1,500 people who experience homelessness during the winter. And on top of that, in 2010, a a brand new four-story, 64,000-square-foot headquarters for Room in for room in the inn was opened um, in Nashville. Um, it presently has 38 permanent housing units in space to provide job counseling, education, and transitional services. And as I speak right now, the facility is being expanded to add another 10 apartments, um, which will be done by the end of the fall. And as proof of how things ripple, the Room in the Inn model has now been replicated in 35 other cities across the country. Uh, I did not have time to check to see whether it's being replicated in St. Paul or Minneapolis. Um, maybe somebody can do that and email me. We'll see. As someone who has worked in the nonprofit world, that would be me, I am sure that Father Strobel encountered many naysayers and roadblocks. I have no doubt about that. And no doubt... He had to cajole and probably even shame people in power to get his idea traction. I mean, think of how the idea grew. Think of what was involved in trying to get this 64,000-square-foot, four-story building built in 2010. To make his points, Father Strobel would often reference Article 25 of the UN's 1948 Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Now, I'm going to read it, and I've modified it to be 2023 rather than 1948. Here's what Article 25 says. Quote, Everyone has the right to a standard of living adequate for the health and well-being of herself and of her family, including food, clothing, housing, and medical care. Unquote. Article 25 So you have Father Strobel going around saying, we need to do this for people who are not as fortunate. We need to do this because we all need to understand that life is not fair for every human. If you go to uh, the room, uh, if you go to the Room in the Inn website, uh, you will see a page honoring Father Strobel. As I said, he died on the 6th of August. You'll also read how in addition to working to protect those who are experiencing homelessness and the loss of hope, he was also a lifelong opponent of the death penalty. This was incredibly personal for him because back in 1985, just as the idea of room in the inn was being uh, fleshed out in a total random act of violence, Father Strobel's mother was kidnapped and murdered in Nashville. Yeah, you just heard that right. And rather than seek vengeance or retribution against the murderer, <laughs> Father Strobel actually asked for, his, asked for him to be forgiven because Father Strobel believed in forgiveness as a tool. As he said, quote, forgiveness means peace. The person who killed my mother has forced evil on my heart, but stamping out the killer doesn't stamp out the evil. It's done. I understand, um, 
parenthetically, the desire to even the score. But you can never even the score by killing one or by killing a thousand. When he would sit with the guests at lunch at the room in the inn, Father Strobel would always remind them that they were good. You don't even know how good you are, he would say to them. And as he wrote in his book, Father Strobel quoted Mark Twain, quote, The two most important days of your life are the day you were born and the day you found out why. Sounds like a heck of an idealist, don't you believe? Go and check out the legacy of Father Charles Strobel by Googling Room in the Inn, Nashville. It will be well worth your time. It will. Well, there you go. That's this week's featured idealist, Father Charles Strobel, a man who came up with an idea and who pushed it and whose idea has rippled across how many thousands and thousands of people and locations. A man who just would, wouldn't take no for an answer about that idea. Okay, that's our featured idealist for the week. When we, uh, We're going to go. You're going to hear this wonderful interview of uh, Taylor Lyons uh, from Moms for Social Justice uh, that I did a year ago. You will love, if you remembered it, it's well worth listening to again. And I'll talk to you on the other end in the C Block. Thanks so very much. You're listening to me, Ellie Krug, on Ellie 2.0 Radio. If you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com. Yes, go to Twitter or X, whatever it's called. It's at Ellie Krug. I'm still, I tried this threads thing. I'm still having difficulty with threads. And most of all, tell the world about this show because I'm trying to take it like worldwide. And I can't do that without your help. All right, we'll be back in a sec. And we're back. Ellie 2.0 Radio on AM 950. Okay, for the big interview, everyone, um, let me just tell you. <laughs> you are going to like my guest, Taylor Lyons. And I'm going to give you a preview of what Taylor is doing, or Taylor the Idealist is doing in the world. She's, she's a mom. She's in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And last week on July 21st, She spoke to the school board for the Chattanooga schools. And here's a taste of what Taylor had to say about that. We are deeply disturbed by the unprecedented access you have granted to a highly partisan, special interest extremist group on our public school property to host a partisan event. Opening the door to whatever fringe extremist groups would like to host events on our public school grounds, so long as they cross their finger, wink at you, tell them they're nonpartisan for the afternoon, and fill out the proper paperwork. The KKK. 
I mean, they are a legitimate 501c3. I hope you would find it within you to tell them no. Or how about the Proud Boys? I mean, we're just asking here. Or will you have a friendly school board member show them to find the proper paperwork online and answer any questions they might have filling it out? See, you can and you did dance around the policy all you want, but ultimately you all had the power to determine whether or not this was in the best interest of our schools. And you chose the path of least resistance. You chose to do and say nothing, which is a loud statement, which has reverberated throughout our state, for which this was a test to be replicated. Okay, thank you, Brett. And uh, let me uh, introduce Taylor Lyons, the person who was saying all of that to the Chattanooga School Board. Uh, Taylor, welcome to LE 2.0 Radio. Thank you, Ellie. Appreciate you having me here. I am thrilled to have you here. Uh, this time last week, I didn't know you existed, okay? And because my listeners know I'm a Twitter junkie, I came across – it's a f- five-minute uh, clip of you speaking to the Chattanooga School Board about them allowing – was it Moms for Liberty? To come on, cam- come on campus and essentially do an event that we know what Moms for Liberty stands for. Well, maybe we need to tell uh, the listeners about that. But Taylor, let's let's begin first and make sure we get everything about you. You you live in Chattanooga, is that right? I do. Yeah, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Hey y'all. <laughs> and uh the Chattanooga, Tennessee school district, if I have this right, is uh 50% uh children of color, correct? Over 50%. Over, just over. Just over 50%. And we have around 45,000 students. Um, it's, a, it's a really wide, beautiful variety of, of kids of all, all, all kinds. And what, uh, why, don't you, why don't you go back and tell us what happened exactly to cause you I – mean, that's not the first time you've talked to the school board, but on, last week for you to talk to the school board, what happened? Yeah, I, this has been uh, a year really of um, – us kind of pushing back against this far right, you know, parents' rights movement, which is really, you know, masquerading what is really happening here, which is a very well-organized, funded machine to dismantle and and undermine public education piece by piece. And, you know, Ellie, I'm not just a mom. I'm um, the community outreach director and co-founder of a social activist organization in Chattanooga called the Moms for Social Justice. So, you know, we have been working in and around issues around um, public education and advocating for our students for the last, you know, five years of our existence. But it really wasn't until around a year ago when we started seeing angry parents show up to school board meetings um, who we did not recognize and that there's a reason we didn't recognize them. It's because most of them don't have kids who attend public schools. Right. Um, and some so of them, I'm going to guess some of them don't even live in the district. They're from somewhere else. 100%. 100%. Um, showing up screaming about um, masking. First, it started with the masks. Yeah. It moved to CRT. And then it moved to book banning. And now it's moving to targeting our queer youth and, and queer uh, teachers and queer literature. And it's moving to sex education and SEL. And it's just like a moral panic bingo card. <laughs> They're moving down the line. Um, but we know what it is. It's all really an effort to um, defund and dismantle public education. It is. Um, and and but But 
but you, well, you've started, you were co-founder of this organization, Moms for Social Justice. By the way, why don't you give out the website where people can go find that organization? Yeah, we are momsforsocialjustice.us. You can also, I think, find us on social. I think that's where we're most active. Twitter, we're at MSJ, uh, moms4sj, and MSJ chat on Facebook. Okay, great. Tell us about the organization. How many people are in it? And you've got more, I mean, you have actually chapters in the U.S., right? (laughs) Well, we're going to celebrate our five-year anniversary in August, and that's a big milestone for us because we started Moms for Social Justice in my living room uh, five years ago. It was right after the the hate rally in Charlottesville, Virginia, which Charlottesville, Virginia is just a few hours away from us. Right. And um, that was a really pivotal moment in in our lives, you know, as as mom friends here living in the Deep South that – you know, we had literal Nazis marching in our streets and, and we had, um, we had protesters killed at that rally. And, uh, at that moment, we just kind of looked at each other and thought, we don't want to tell our kids 20 years from now that in this, you know, state of, of racial and cultural unrest that we did nothing. It just didn't feel, that didn't feel sufficient anymore. So we, started this organization thinking that maybe we were not alone in our community. Yeah. And to our delighted surprise, we weren't. We started four moms in my living room and we've grown to over 3000 engaged local members. And for like a, a mid-sized city in the deep South, y'all, that is not an insignificant <laughs> amount of people. Y'all, I think that's one. That's wonderful. But you were telling me, I mean, you have chapters why don't you give us a little bit of the list where other Moms for Social Justice chapters have shown up? And by the way, okay, I know Minnesota's not on that list, but we're listeners. You're listening here. Okay, go ahead. Give us it. Where, yeah, where else? Well, all Minnesota. Um, yeah, over the last five years, just, you know, little, you know, blips that we've had on the media here and there uh, showing up on a national level. We've had moms reach out to us from all over the country saying, hey, you did it in Chattanooga. Why can't we do it here? To which we say, you can, and we'll show you how. Uh, so we have chapters in um, St. Louis, in Knoxville, Tennessee, in Alaska, in D.C., in Southern California. And I'll tell you a secret. We're about to announce a Denver chapter. <laughs> First on LA 2.0 Radio. Oh, that's just great. Okay, good, good, good. Well, that, I mean... And and Taylor, I'm just going to tell you, first of all, you've got a magnetic personality as an idealist. Um, you're gonna, there are going to be more chapters. And and listeners, I was not actually kidding. Um, reach out to Taylor and you'll, you'll be able to get a hold of her uh, in a second. I'll let her tell you how you can get a hold of her. Um, but reach out to her. I think we need a Moms for Social Justice chapter here in Minnesota. Okay? I think we do. I think maybe we need more than one. So, uh, well, to finish that thought, Taylor, how can people get a hold of you and, you know, make whatever you feel safe in terms of giving out contact information? I mean, I couldn't agree with you more because we we're seeing parents activate on the other side. Right. Right. And they're doing it with um, with the full support of the entire GOP apparatus. That is a a very well-funded, well-organized, you know, movement of of parents screaming about, you know, parents' rights. So our our argument is we want to see the same thing from the parents uh, 
who are pro-public education, who are pro-students' rights, who want to want to see kids um, of all of all colors and of all um, gender uh, identity loved and respected and and appreciated for who they are. Like all kids deserve to feel safe and loved and accepted in their schools. They all deserve to feel worthy, to be told that they are worthy, that they matter. And I can't agree more. And I think that there are uh, Taylor. I think that there are so many. So many incredible, way more parents out there that, that you know, just want their kids to get a, a broad education about the world. I sat with some, a gentleman this week who told me, you know, he, he wanted his kids to understand the whole world, that he wanted them to go to a school where they would experience other children, you know, from different backgrounds and stuff like that. So hold on, but but before we go, is there a way that somebody can get a hold of you or should they just go to the Moms for Social Justice website? Um, you know, you're ha- welcome to reach out to me personally on Twitter. I'm Taylor Lyons MSJ, uh, or you can reach out to uh, Moms for SJ on Twitter and we will Great. we will get back with yeah. you for sure. And that's how I got you. So, you yeah. know, you, you responded to uh, my, my message. All right, so... Tell us, give us a little bit more about the lay of the land in Chattanooga. And how have you, how is Moms for Social Justice, but particularly how has Taylor Lyons been received? Mm-hmm. You know, you know, tell us, give us more a little bit about the school board and, um, and the, you know, you, I mean, as I watched you on Twitter with your five minute speech, I mean, you had people lined up behind you. It looked like they were all nodding their heads mm-hmm. and saying, yeah, and all that stuff. So give us a little bit more of the landscape. I mean, it has been a wild year. Um, we, you know, we've been working in and around uh, public education anyway. Uh, and we would have, we would have opposed book banning anyway. Let me just say that because of who we are as an organization, but, but MSJ found ourselves square in the middle of the, the, the book banning controversy because we have a social initial uh, project called the classroom library project. Okay. And that's exactly what it sounds like. We have a lot of underserved, under-resourced schools here in Chattanooga. Chattanooga is one of the most deeply segregated school systems in the country. And, um, you know, much to our our dismay, uh, we have been going into those schools and putting classroom libraries in those classrooms. And because we are who we are, we've put beautifully, you know, diverse and inclusive literature in those classrooms because we feel like every kid deserves to see themselves represented in the in the pages that they read. Uh, and we stand behind that. Representation is not indoctrination. Right, right. <laughs> uh, and as you might imagine, that's not OK with everybody. We have um, we have been called groomers. We have been called pedophile sympathizers. We have been called witches, Satanists, you name it, uh, just for putting books Books. with representation from diverse life experiences in our classroom libraries. And, and I'll tell you, Ellie, that is, that's something that we will take because we will never apologize for putting books in the hands of kids. I love it. You know, well, you know, I'm a writer and and I believe in free speech and free, free, free words for, you know, human, that's, we need to be curious about the world and, you know, books help us, you know, fuel that curiosity. Tell me this, the, the, the meeting on July 21st where you spoke um, and, 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 and the setting was, you know, the school had let this group come in, right, and, and Moms for Liberty. 
and and had given them space, and then they brought in people from the community, or maybe they or did they bring in speakers? And was it you know was the were the topics that they discussed you know demeaning or uh, marginalizing to groups of groups of humans? So they uh, were granted access to our public school grounds to host school board candidate forums. Ah, okay. Yep. And uh, it will not shock you to know that the candidates that they support um, also support their their extremist puritanical ideology. So um, wildly uh, homophobic, transphobic rhetoric, um, anti-CRT, anti-science, et cetera, et cetera. And um, we took issue with that, uh, not just our organization, but but I came to the school board representing not only myself as a parent, uh, Moms for Social Justice, but several community organizations, uh, teachers who who wrote statements anonymously because they were afraid of being doxxed yep. by this organization, uh, students who wrote statements anonymously because they were afraid of doxing. Um, so we came together united as a community saying this this extremist organization has no business having political forums on our public schools when they when they have said publicly that their overarching goal is to dismantle public education and when they have targeted our teachers so outrageously and targeted our queer youth so outrageously and 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 <clears throat> As you're there at the school board meeting, giving what and, and listeners, you you've got to just Google Taylor Lyons Chattanooga School Board, and you're going to find it, or go to Twitter and you'll get it on uh, at um, uh, um, MSJ at, or Taylor Lyons MSJ on Twitter. But you you told me, and we couldn't see this, okay? But as you were speaking, one of one of the school board members, elected school board members, got up and walked out. Is that right? She did. She got up and walked out and then proceeded to write an op-ed on Monday attacking me personally in um, local publications. And and did the Chattanooga Press run that op-ed? They did. Did they give you an opportunity to respond? Uh, yes, I've had an opportunity to respond. Um, and our, our position is this, that it's... Um, it's beneath our civil discourse. It's breaking decorum for an elected official to attack a private citizen. You will notice in my remarks, Ellie, that I did not address any of them by name because I feel like that that's uh, beyond the pale and that's beneath our civil discourse. So for her to attack me as an elementary school mom by name and, and you know, the public press and it, as you can imagine, in the last several days after her op-ed, the amount of hate mail that I have received has uh, just been astronomical. Well, let's talk about that, Taylor, because I, I first of all, I want you to know I like respect the hell out of you. All right, but you you're out in public. You got you got your name. Okay, I mean, even if I mean, they're going to be able to find you pretty easily. Okay. They're going to find you on social media. They certainly could find you in real life. And yet you're doing this. And, and, you're not, and apparently you're not afraid, okay, of letting your name be out there. Will you, you know, and, and so you and I have a little bit of equivalence because 
I'm out there as Ellie Krug. You know, some people refer to me as a transgender activist. I just simply refer to myself as a human caring about all humans. Okay. Um, And if sometimes if that means being active, well, okay. Yeah. All right. So I want to ask you about that because what you could have done this a different way. What made you so brave? I am a white suburban woman. And with that comes a lot of privilege. (laughs) So I can... I can be loud and I can be um, vocal in the public space. And I don't, I don't have the same um, fears of retaliation that, that more marginalized groups have. And that's uh, something that I don't take lightly. And it's something that I, I take very seriously that I have a degree of privilege and I can use that privilege for, um, for the social good, and I'm going. I'm going to do it. <laughs> I like you even more now. <laughs> well, and isn't it true though? Um, with privilege, okay, if you have it, you have an obligation. You have an obligation, right? One hundred percent. So let me. So you knew uh, we're coming towards a little bit towards the end of the interview, and I'm a little sad about that. <laughs> but I told you I would ask you what made you what made you an idealist, Taylor. You know, how did you get here? Because this, you know, this, by the way, this is extraordinary. You know that. I mean, it is. I mean, you're, 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 you're talking the talk. You're walking the walk. Okay, you're doing something incredible, and and I can tell it's not nearly anywhere close to being done. What <laughs> what made you idealistic? I I was born the daughter of a Southern Baptist preacher, and. You know, I don't agree with my dad on a lot of ideological issues, but what I do remember growing up is uh, he he impressed upon me to always tell the truth, even when no one else around you uh, is doing so, and even when it's hard. And so, even though um, that truth that I brought was brought up with is not the truth that I have now. I, I feel that um, it's an obligation of mine to tell the truth and to tell it loudly. And, you know, living in the South, we hear so many jokes about Southern people and so many jokes about um, ideologies of the South. And I'm here to tell you, Ellie, and to tell your, your listeners there in the Twin Cities, it couldn't be further th- from the truth. There are so many incredible people in the South doing the people's work. Um, and, and they often get silenced. They get gerrymandered, they get, um, marginalized, they get silenced by people in power, but I'm telling you, there are people, some, some of the most incredible, um, (laughs) radical activists I've ever met are Southern activists. And I'm, I'm privileged and proud to work alongside them. We're working to make the, the South a better place. And when the South is a better place, the world will be a better place. Well, there was a pretty famous Southern activist by the name of Martin, Reverend, Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King, right? Yeah, that's a, it's a big shadow that, that all of us down here, um, you know, working, working to make this a better place. We all um, aspire to, to meet those ideals. So I, I, the last question I, get, I have for you is um, what's next? What, because, you know, you're building the chapter, sure, but are you going to, 
Are you going to get into politics? Are you going to get? Are you going to go run run for office? Because you, you I mean, woman, you got it. Okay. <laughs> I think that often um, political office is a muzzle. Um, I I think that um, I have a a bigger place in the world of activism, but we'll see. Um, I'll tell you that we are working with organizations throughout the South and throughout the country um, to form a coalition to push for students' rights. We have written a piece of federal legislation called the Students' Bill of Rights, and we are going to spend the next year um, shopping for federal sponsors for that piece of legislation. Wow. Wow. That's, that would be phenomenal. I mean, yeah. of course, if, if, if uh, November goes a certain way, that will be impossible. Um, <laughs> You know, it's true. It's true. Okay, um, but well, and I, you know what? And I hear you about, um, I, I hear you about the muzzle, and I hear you about the freedom that comes from being able to speak outside. But I'll also put this bug in your ear, because it's a bug that's been put in my ear, and that is this: sometimes, sometimes, you've got to get into the fray on the other side of the river the political side. And sometimes just the mere act of doing that speaks volumes. Okay. So I just, couldn't agree with you more, Ellie. So just remember that. Okay. Thank you. Taylor, it has been a pleasure to the highest degree to talk with you. I really appreciate you being on my radio show. Likewise. Um, I appreciate the opportunity, and I would love to come back sometime. Well, uh, hey, Brett, we're going to remember that, bud, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, um, and let me know if there's anything I can do to help you. Now, I, you know, I, I speak and present across the country. We can do things by Zoom, all right, just so you know that, all right? And, you know, it would be pro bono and all that jazz. I'll take you up on that. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Ellie. You're welcome. All right. Well, listeners, we've been speaking to Taylor Lyons with Moms for Social Justice. Rock star. Taylor, thanks so very much for being on Ellie 2.0 Radio. I've just enjoyed talking with you so much. And go, go and make the world better. My pleasure, Ellie. Thank you. We're back. Ellie 2.0 Radio. Here I am, seat dancing, just starting to go on and on. You know. All right, with the Indigo Girls. There you go. Okay. Well, I hope you liked that interview of Taylor Lyons because she was quite incredible. And uh, she has gone on. I mean, I'm seeing her on Twitter. I mean, she's, she's gone on to be on national news her organization getting a lot of traction. I was lucky to get her when she was still little, still small. And so, you know, there you go. Okay. All right. So C-Block, my work, what am I doing? 
So I'm going to give a couple of different things. One is let's get some stuff on your radar here. All right. If, you know, if you're in the, in the Carver County area, but, but if not, and if you want to drive, there are going to be two public gray area thinking events. Yep. Two events that are open to the public. Both of them are being done at churches because the churches have been welcoming to me and, and, you know, I just, I mean, in the A block, our idealist was a priest. I mean, let's just face it. A lot of social justice stuff comes out of religious organizations. Okay, so <clears throat> I'm going to be doing gray area thinking on uh, Tuesday evening, September 19th. Get that on your calendar. A crown of glory, glory, crown of glory church, Lutheran church in Chaska, crown of glory, Lutheran church in Chaska, Minnesota on September 19th. It'll be in the evening. I think it's starting at 6 or 6.30, something like that. We'll go two hours. And then um, a couple weeks later on October 7th, which is a Saturday, I'll be in Waconia. I'll be at the Moravian Church in Waconia uh, on the morning of Saturday, October 7th to also do gray area thinking. Both events open to the public, no charge. I mean, yeah, you got to get in the car and drive out there because there's no public transportation out here in Carver County. But if you're interested, please come. And will you let other people know? I will put this into the newsletter as well, the Ripple newsletter. If you don't get the Ripple, you might want to go to my website at elliecrude.com and sign up for it. Um, but I'll put both of these dates into the Ripple and we'll go from there. Okay? All right. Totally shifting gears, moving. You know, um, and this – so I have um, I have a small group of people who uh, advise me um, – Either formally or informally, and I've, I I sat and had lunch or dinner with one of my one of my friends, also an advisor that I listen to. I think he listens to me a little bit too. But um, I had dinner with him the other night, and uh, this is the second time that he has raised this um, about me, and and uh, and so he's got me thinking. And then this. Father Strobel's story about just one idea about how things can take traction. So, so my friend um, has urged me to take a new direction. Um, my trainings are incredibly, you know, important, and I think people really value those. But my friend is urging me to become far more adamant, far more vocal about the need to face our fear, the need to have courage in this time of great challenge, the need to help promote hope in people. Um, and my friend is, he's very, he really believes in me and in my work and he believes that I can inspire people to be braver and to be more courageous. Now, you know, if you go to gray area thinking, you get some of that me talking about that, but that's in the context of a training and in the context of about the need to be more inclusive. Um, my friend wants suggest that I pivot more to just hitting head on what's happening in our country. Now, that that would get me to be more political, I think. Probably I'd be into out of the training category and more into the um, potential political category. And of course, we know what happens when people get political. I mean, right now when I talk about training, I can just say, well, look, this is, you know, this is a training and you feel free to come or not. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to flesh this out in my head about how a new direction would work for me. I also know that it would 
cause some people to decide that they don't want me to come and train because uh, they would be worried about it uh, attracting too much attention um, because of how I might be public on other things. I, um, I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how this might be. But, you know, with a story like with Father Strobel today, I mean, he, he really didn't care as he advocated for the need to, to help protect people who, who have been, you know, survivors of life's unfairness. I mean, he, he just didn't care and he just pushed ahead. And so I'm, I am trying to figure out um, how much pushing ahead I want to do and how that might impact public perceptions about Ellie Krug. Um, hopefully everyone knows I'm kind and gentle and I have a good heart and, and I continue to believe, as I've said to you like 9,000 times so far, that 90, 98% of all humans are good, have good empathetic hearts. I do believe that. And I think that if I can find another new new way to touch hearts, um, maybe, maybe my ideas about the need to be brave, to, to interact with those who are different or other compared to us, to, to be able to take risks to learn about another human's lived experience, maybe, maybe all of that can just travel along with a new direction. I don't know. We'll see. Stay tuned. Who knows? I mean, there are a lot of things that come my way and, and a lot of things that I, I think about. I mean, the great thing I will tell you is, you know, at age 66, I mean, I'm, I'm like thinking of new directions to go versus, um, you know, what TV state channel I'm going to turn to. <laughs> and so, I mean, to me, I, you know, that's what's keeping me alive and hopefully keeping the brain as active as it needs to be um, at this age. So, all right. So, uh, putting all that aside, a moment ago I talked about my newsletter, and you know I took off July because in July I just try and take a break. And um, but a newsletter will be out hopefully next week. I started working on it earlier this week. I put some time in on it yesterday as well. I'll put some time in on it on uh, on today and tomorrow, and hopefully it'll get out this week. And I, you know. I I feel good about doing the newsletter, although there are so many things I want to put into the newsletter that I just don't have the I don't have the space for. So Ellie, pace yourself, pace yourself, Ellie. That's what I'm telling myself. Okay, well, um, you know, uh, we've got other people coming up as guests on the show that I think that you're going to enjoy. Um, We're arranging a number of different interviews. Coming up is the 300th show of, uh, you know, that'll be take some place in, I think, November. So, you know, um, maybe we'll have a really big special guest for that show. We'll see. Okay. Well, that, that does it for today, uh, July um, 19th. And I hope that you have enjoyed this show. A big thanks to my producer, Brett Johnson, who is always there for me and, and who is helping me find guests now. And Brett, thank you so very much. And you, my listeners, you know, I'm saying it every week and I'll say it again. Between now and when you hear my voice next, will you go out and do something to make the world a better place? It can be as simple as saying, hi, how are you today? Just letting somebody know that they're seen and valued. Will you do that for me? Okay. 
This is Ellie Krug, LA 2.0 Radio, over and out.